Welcome, and thank you for listening to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. My name is Pat Horn, and today's episode is titled The Amazon Knitting Company, A Brief History. Get it? A brief history? It'll make sense if you listen. Let's get started. In 1875, the Powell family, led by George Powell, took over a woolen factory in Valparaiso, Indiana, their hometown. This factory specialized in making Germantown yarn. Germantown yarn, so named after the German area in Pennsylvania where it was commonly made, was a multi-ply colored yarn often used in the creation of Navajo rugs. In 1881, they added hosiery to their company's capabilities and became the Amazon Hosiery Company, making stockings, socks, and undergarments. Even with the addition of hosiery, the company couldn't stay ahead of its creditors and closed in 1882. It was reopened in the same year, though, by George Powell, this time as an incorporated company. In 1883, part of the operation moved to Michigan City, Indiana. One interesting thing to note about the early company is their use of convicts for labor through an agreement with the Indiana State Prison System. In 1886, they employed 186 prisoners at 47.5 cents a day, which would be about $11.40 a day today. A pretty great deal for the company. As great as the mental picture is of 100-plus prisoners sitting around knitting socks together, the men worked mostly on machines making the body of socks. The heels and toes were added later by women in the town. In 1895, leaders from the Muskegon Chamber of Commerce met with George Powell to entice him to move the business to Muskegon. By the 1890s, the writing was on the wall for Muskegon. The lumber boom town of the mid-1880s had given way to a bust as lumber supplies throughout the state dwindled. In the face of the coming end of lumbering, several prominent Muskegon businessmen joined together to create the Board of Trade, later called the Chamber of Commerce whose purpose was to attract new up-and-coming industries to Muskegon to keep it thriving. $100,000 was raised by this group with a bond put together by Newcomb McGrath, who sold land to the city for a public park, today known as McGrath Park. The bond money was then turned over to the Board of Trade by McGrath for use. That money came in handy when talking to George Powell, who agreed to move his knitting company to Muskegon, partially because of Muskegon's location near major water shipping lanes to Chicago and Milwaukee, but also the fresh water available used for mixing dye. Also, a hefty $5,000 bonus was given to him by the Chamber of Commerce for relocating. By 1896, a new five-story, 185,000-square-foot brick building was built for the company in Muskegon. It employed 475 women and 75 men, giving many Muskegon women the opportunity to save up money or help support their families. Just one year later, though, the company was in danger of closing for a second time in 15 years, making me really start to doubt George Powell's business skill. The company was saved, though, by Muskegon lumber barons Charles Hackley and Thomas Hume, who added financial backing and stability to the company, reorganizing it as the Amazon Knitting Company. Charles Hackley would be president, George Powell vice president, and Thomas Hume treasurer and secretary. At the turn of the century, the company was doing very well. They employed around 650 workers who were making and shipping nationally cotton underwear, gloves, hosiery, and drugs. The Amazon Knitting Company had also secured a contract with the U.S. government to make shirts for the Army. This success allowed them to expand their factory by some 48,000 square feet. This expanded factory was one of a few in the United States that could take in raw cotton bales and do in-house all the steps needed to make the finished product. This extra space was needed when World War I broke out. With huge numbers of soldiers needing to be equipped and dressed, the Amazon Knitting Company saw a lot of business. 
This permitted them to expand and create factories in nearby Grand Haven in 1917 and Muskegon Heights in 1920. After the completion of these two factories, the Amazon Knitting Company was making on average 48,000 garments a day. With every boom eventually comes a bust, and when the Great Depression hit the United States, many companies became bankrupt. However, the Amazon managed to survive under the leadership of George Hume, the son of Thomas Hume. In 1937, they were employing 1,000 people, giving many men and women enough money to get through the hard times. By 1939, it was the only textile mill left operational in Michigan and was producing much of the nation's undergarments. When the United States entered World War II, the mill did not see the same success as with the previous war. They did receive an order for 600,000 shirts for the Army in 1941, but by 1942, labor shortages and problems getting the raw material had hurt the company so badly that they could not recover from it, and President George Hume announced that the plant would be closing in the next year. In the spring of 1943, the plant closed down for good, and assets were sold off and profits given to the shareholders. Plans were drawn up then to convert the factory into 130 wartime apartments to help give the tide of workers coming to Muskegon to work in the foundries a place to live. But nothing came of the plan at the time besides a set of blueprints drawn up, which the museum now preserves. In post-war years, the Amazon building has had quite a history, including being rented out by many companies, but none that stuck long-term. On May 24, 1982, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places, and in 1993, plans were put in place to convert the Amazon into apartments, finishing in 2001. One of the key companies who invested in the property, Go & Go, has an office in Valparaiso, Indiana, bringing the Amazon story full circle. When completed, the building housed 126 apartments, four short of the 130 of the original plan first proposed 58 years ago in 1943. Once again, coming back full circle. In yet another example of the endless cycle the Amazon seems to be going through, in 2015, the owners declared bankruptcy and the fate of the building was unknown. Until, much like Charles Hackley and Thomas Hume, a new investment group came in to purchase the property and stabilize the situation. Today, the Amazon building still functions as a beautiful brick apartment building, maintaining the original exterior facade, and it has become a landmark of downtown Muskegon and its history. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to catch our next episode out next month. Also, be sure to visit lakeshoremuseum.org to keep up to date with everything going on at the museum. If you'd like to know more about the Amazon building, please contact the museum and get a hold of our archivist to learn more. 